Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Monday edition of The Yard, if you saw my tweet that we're a little later recording than normal, I decided to spend an extra evening out in Frisco with the uh, the lovely bride who went and was uh, my esteemed photographer uh, for the weekend. We're going to take the mom and pop show on the road again here to Lexington, Kentucky here in a couple weeks. We'll see how things go with Biloxi. I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, listen, good weekend in Frisco. Not a great weekend of baseball. We're going to break all that down. I will tell you, we had uh, a, li- a nice contingent of Bulldogs there. I uh, had a chance to visit with Tommy News for a while. Uh, Zach Selman, Dak Prescott, Rafael Palmero. I say that not to name drop, but to show you that how many people turned out to support the Bulldogs as we go and play in Frisco, Texas. If you've never made that trip, and I don't know when we go back. I mean, we were back there 19. It's been four years, and uh, I've been both times. I'll tell you, they do it right out there. They really run a first-class operation. The scoreboard at times a little bit lags, um, and I had to stay on the guys about live stats every once in a while. But uh, as far as the city of Frisco and the people that run that tournament, uh, it's outstanding. It really is. And uh, George and all those guys out in media relations for Frisco do, do such a wonderful job. They love college baseball. It's good to see uh, some buddy David out there too. I mean, there was just David McGee. A uh, lot, lot of people – turn out and make this thing a great event and uh, I appreciate it I really do I love road baseball I've shared that with you guys before part of it's because I like being a big fish in a small pond right the only Mississippi State media people there were me and me and David and David's just kind of a part-timer does it for fun but uh, no Clarion Ledger no Tupelo Daily Journal no Columbus Dispatch uh, you know just us you know and uh, had a great time doing it and uh, we're committed to doing it we you know we we believe in in providing you guys with unprecedented coverage of Mississippi State Athletics over jeanspage.com. I don't know that we have um, any real competition in many respects, especially this time of year. Football practice starts tomorrow. And so on Wednesday, we're going to kind of talk about some of the uh, position battles we're you know, c- kind of be watching in the spring. And, uh, yeah, men's basketball, uh, tough loss Saturday night. And um, had a chance to watch that game with our good friend Roy Samanti, who gets your uh, – your Spotify list together, a top 10 list. And so Roy and his children made the drive over to Frisco. And after the Saturday game, uh, we went and 
had dinner with Dave and McGee, and then went to watch basketball with Roy Samante and his kids and watched some UFC fights. So we made a big weekend out of it. I mean, that, that's the whole point. It's like, you know, when you when you make those trips, you know, Friday and Sunday are a travel day more times than not. So on Saturday, you know, usually an afternoon game. You can get out and kind of enjoy the city a little bit, and we did. And so I encourage you to go get out and enjoy some road baseball when you can. I mean, a lot of Bulldog fans were really eager to get there. I step out in between games, and I, I see a baseball dad – wearing maroon he's got a couple of his sons behind him and I thought man it kind of reminds me of my own dad you know taking us except this this dad was about to run into the stadium he was so excited to see the diamond dogs you know but I left the kids behind so uh slow down there dad I appreciate your exuberance and your enthusiasm but it's a great thing I mean it's a great thing when parents are able to take kids to sporting events and make some memories together I listen when I was a kid it was such a treat to go watch Mississippi State play it, we didn't get to go very often. I mean, at times there would be a year or two between sporting events for us. So we just, we just didn't have much, you know. And um, so it meant a lot to me when my dad would make the effort and bring us to a game, knowing how much it all meant to me and my brother. And uh, my brother and I got a chance to, uh, to watch the game Tuesday in Pearl. Our wives were there, took a picture from my mom, sent it to her. Put it on Facebook, that kind of stuff. It's kind of a rare occurrence. But, uh, yeah, it's a big deal, man. And, and I can tell you, on behalf of your kids, they want to go to the ball game. And the older they get, the more they want to go to the ball game. Because it's like you, you want to be part of something that matters. It's one thing to go watch a movie, right? And you can talk about that with your friends, whatever. But when you go to a sporting event, you feel like you're part of something special. Especially when you're a bulldog that lives out of state, and all of a sudden you show up at, the, uh, at Ryder's Field you know, there's a couple thousand of your compatriots there, a couple thousand people wearing maroon. You start thinking, you know what? Hey, hey, kids, see, it's not just me and you. You know, all those years that uh, I had my kids living down in Baton Rouge, I mean, we were just a maroon cork for, for, uh, floating in a, in a uh, sea of purple and gold. And so anytime that I could bring them back up here, especially on it, you know, it was like kind of refueling the tanks a little bit. You know, it's like, hey, I'm a bulldog, and I can, I can put up with all this trash talk because I'm proud to be a Mississippi State fan. And so – it's great when we take the show on the road, and I enjoy going and covering all that. And uh, listen, enjoy being your eyes and ears. I think we had great coverage. I think we had five baseball stories a day between Mike Nemeth and myself. And again, the baseball wasn't great, and they still, you know, we, some of the problems we had in week one, we have in week three. We got to fix it. You know, we got to fix it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think things are going to be okay because I don't know that yet. I know that there is some help on the horizon that could change the trajectory of things a little bit, you know. And I, Like I said on Bo Bound Show this morning, we went into week one thinking, okay, we should sweep VMI. We got two and one. The next week, right, we're thinking, okay, we got UL Monroe here for two games. We got Arizona State. We knew Arizona State's going to have some dudes, so maybe you drop a game there. So you got to win these midweek games. You got to go four and one. We go three and two. This past week we talked about, hey, Southern Miss is a very good G5 team. They are. You're going to Frisco, paying – playing three power five teams, we, we felt like we could go three and one. We go two and two. So every week, it's like we're dropping a game we shouldn't. That's how it feels to me. So this week, you know, you got four very winnable games. They're, no, they're not cakewalks by any stretch of imagination. I mean, these are teams that are capable of winning some ball games. But we got to make up some ground somewhere. You'd say, okay, ordinarily it's a three and one week. We need to go four and oh this week. We need to go 4-0 because if not, we're going to be chasing the season. We can't keep dropping these non-conference games. And listen, Ohio State might be a little better than people anticipated, but they're not going to win the Big Ten. You know, Cal's a team that's improved. 
a great deal. They just lost their Friday night guy for a while. So they're probably not a team that's going to chase a regional somewhere. Oklahoma, of course, was the national runner-up last year, but basically lost their entire rotation, their closer. I mean, John Spikerman, and those guys coming back, they've got some dudes in that lineup. But that's not supposed to be a team that is supposed to really challenge for the Big 12 championship. But when you look at what's happening with Texas, you kind of begin to wonder. You know, maybe Oklahoma can surprise. But the bottom line is none of those teams are ranked this weekend, so I'm not going to give you any – I'm not going to blow any smoke up your skirt and sit here and tell you, oh, we lost to great teams. We didn't. We probably lost a couple of good teams. Why did we lose any great teams? And to be honest with you, and this will sound very homeristic, I think we were the best team there. When we played to our potential, when we didn't, we looked at Bad News Bears. We're going to talk more about that here in the next segment of the show. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I loved them long before they loved me. And now we have this passionate love affair. You will love Bulldog Burger Company, too. Many of you already do. You understand the quality of the experience you're going to get when you walk through the doors of Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. And, guys, it's patio weather now. It is. It is a wonderful time to get out and enjoy a meal out on the patio. Nice, cool evening. Have an adult beverage. Go by there during happy hour. You'll be glad you did. Maybe you're just kind of, maybe you're pre-gaming for a night out. Maybe you're just going to have one to kind of, you know, kind of wipe away the, the stress of the day. You can have an adult beverage there. It's a great night out with friends, a great night out with family. And I told you guys before, they're doing these tap takeovers. We're going to have more information on those as they kind of move forward. That's a really cool thing they're doing, allowing some brewers to kind of come in and showcase their products at a great place like Bulldog Burger Company to all of you. And many of you like that sort of stuff. You're like, hey, you know, Steve, you know, I, I like the national brands, but uh, I like supporting a local brewer because sometimes it's a little bit off the beaten path. It's a little bit unique taste. And you're going to be able to get that at Bulldog Burger Company. Get the great restaurant quality hamburger. It's one of the fine delicacies in life. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And get that dessert to go, whether it be the Shipley bread pudding or perhaps that chocolate shake. Bulldog Burger has a cure for what else you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I told you guys last week, I thought we'd go 2-1 and one over the weekend. That's what I expected. I thought we'd beat Ohio State lose to Oklahoma, and beat Cal. And a lot of people thought we'd lose all three. <clears throat> well, we didn't. Even though it kind of feels that way, I mean, you end the weekend on a, on a positive note. So you, you head home with an important W under your belt. But the, the reality of it is, I feel like we gave away that Ohio State game. And we're going to preview. We're going we're gonna to go over that one first. We're not going gonna to go over every pitch, but um, – it's an 8-3 ball game, and uh, let, let's go over this kind of really quick here. We didn't hit the baseball, and that's the thing that really disappointed me. I, I really thought once we got Isaiah Coupe out of the ball game, we could feast a little bit on that Buckeye bullpen. We didn't do it. And uh, probably the story early on in this ball game wasn't Coupe, but it's Gerangelo Sanchi. And I asked him directly on yesterday, pronounce your last name for me. He says, it's Sanchi. Sanji, not Sanjay, not Sanjay, Santji, Gerangelo Santji, per him, per him himself. And so uh, Gerangelo faces the minimum the first three innings. I mean, he goes out there, he gets one, two, three in the first, 
He, he We hit the first hitter to second inning. We get a double play to get out of it. Then it's a K. Third inning, similar situation, leadoff walk. We turn a double play. We get a pop-up. So he's faced a minimum through three. Meanwhile, Coupe, we have him on the ropes early. It's a leadoff walk, led by our strikes out swinging, and Colton has been great for us this year. He had a very difficult weekend in Frisco. Larry then takes second, goes to third on a failed pickoff attempt. So all of a sudden, you've got a runner at third with less than two outs, and we can't get him home. Those are the kind of things that just drive you batty right there. DJ walks, works, does a good job, gets us to uh, you know, runners on the corners, and then Hancock, the captain, strikes out swinging. DJ still seconds. Now you got two men in scoring position, and Slate Offord, who had a terrible weekend, uh, flies out to right. Not just offensively, but defensively. He went 0 for the weekend. Uh, so you get a man on, you get the leadoff guy on, you get the three-hole guy on, and we, we get them both in the scoring position, can't do anything with it. In the second, we go one, two, three, and all three of them are Ks. Bottom of third, we get going again. Leadoff hitter is Lane Forsythe. Yes, that guy, Lane Forsythe, the much maligned Lane Forsythe, who might be State's hottest hitter right now, doubles the very first pitch in the right center. So right out of the gate, in a nothing-nothing ball game, you've got to go ahead and run on base with nobody out. Larry flies out to left. We can't advance the hitter. Ledbetter walks. DJ strikes out swinging. And then Hancock grounds up the middle and they force the runner at second base. These are the kinds of things in tight ball games that get you beat. And I listen, I know Chris Monis is not a big, big advocate for bunting. I am in situations like this. When you know you have a dude on the mound, when you got a true Friday night guy out there dealing against you, anything to kind of get him off his rhythm a little bit is a good thing. So you know Imani Larry can bunt. You know Lane Forsyth's got decent wheels. I'm bunting right here. I'm, I'm going to have Larry bunt for a hit rather than just a true sacrifice. But here's the worst-case scenario here. I get the bunt down and four sides hit third. Now, all of a sudden, i got a runner at third with less than two outs. If I can just elevate something, and, of course, that changes everything, right? It changes the pitching sequence. And then Ledbetter, of course, ends up getting the walk there. But if he goes up there looking to do a job, thinking, hey, i got this runner at third. Let me just see if I can't find something to elevate here. Maybe we get a sack fly, get a one at the lead. Maybe things are different today. Right, and again, I'm not, I'm not I'm not being critical of Chris here, but I would have bunted in that situation with my nine-hole hitter leading off with a double and probably the best bunter on the team, not named Lane Forsythe, in the box. Not to mention great speed there. So, you know, my favorite play to run in all, all of baseball. Told you guys before, and maybe this is why I'm just so you know maybe over the top about this particular situation. I've got wheels at second, a great bunter at the plate. I'm going to run the bunt and run right here. I'm going to, I'm going to steal right here, right? And I'm going to bunt. And, of course, my bunter is going to understand you got to get this bunt down. I mean, worst case scenario, you pop this thing up and it's a double play, right? And all of a sudden, coach looks like an idiot. But here, what, here's what happens. The third baseman, you got to put him in conflict here. And I don't know if they're running a 10-bunt defense here. Probably not, right? Probably not. Probably got third base up a little bit. But – when the runner breaks from second on the pitch, what does every player on his team, on the opposing team, yell? Going, right? And then all of a sudden, he hears going, and he sees Larry square to bunt. Now that third baseman's in conflict. My immediate reaction when I hear going to cover the bag, and all of a sudden that I see this guy square to bunt, now all of a sudden, hey, the bunt defense, what's my responsibility here? 
So I might cause a little indecision here. And he may get to it and either have to eat it or throw it away, right? I love that play. I ran it, I don't know how many times as a, as a hidden coach in high school. We didn't do it here. And, and that, listen, Chris has never run it. And that, Chris sees life a little differently than I do. And I've been critical. But we get nothing out of the inning. All right, top of four, they finally break through here. And, uh, again, you know, Jerron's doing a good job here. But we get an infield single, just kind of a crazy thing here. Infield single. They still second. We throw it away. Gerangelo does, trying to pick a golf at second, trying to reset the clock, basically. We get a K, and then it's a wild pitch. So they scored the initial run based on one hit. A single, stolen base, fell pickoff attempt, and a wild pitch. And so a lot of that's self-inflicted. He gets a single, and they manufacture a run, but a lot of that is we're conspirators in our own demise here. Kern grounds out to short, Thomas walks, and then Andrews flies out to right. So, you know, if we don't make that throwing error and we don't have the wild pitch, that guy's at second base. Then we absorb the walk and we get a fly out to end the inning. And again, the pitching sequence is a little bit different. But, you know, we contributed here to this run. State goes one, two, three in the fourth. Evan Sierra comes in, and he has been outstanding for State. He had a rough inning in this outing, but he starts off well enough in the fifth. A one, two, three, ending a pair of K's in there. Bottom of five, State ties this game up, and this is when I thought we'd be okay. I said, hey, we're going to be okay here because we're about to chase this guy. And uh, Gerangelo's kept us in the ballgame. Sierra's been solid. I think we're in good shape here. So it all starts again with a one-out walk to Lane Forsyth. He goes to second on a wild pitch. Now the time runs at second, less than two outs. They walk Amani Larry. They go out and have a mound visit. Then they walk Ledbetter. Now the bases are loaded. DJ strikes out swinging. Hancock grounds out. And then they make, I, honestly, they ruled this a muff throw at second. I thought we made it anyway. I, I thought Ledbetter was safe anyway. I, I didn't agree with a lot of the scoring this weekend, but that was one of the things. But uh, the run scores, so no matter how it happens, we tie the ball game. However, we miss a golden opportunity here because of the fact you got bases loaded and one out. And we only get one run. That just can't happen. We've got to be more opportunistic here. Now, granted, we're facing a dude. We are. But to leave free on base, and that was kind of the story of the night, not a good thing. Top of six, Sierra just kind of blows up on us. We get a walk, give up a double, get a strikeout, get a walk, get another strikeout. So we got a chance to get out of the jam here. It's bases loaded and two outs. You got to throw a strike. We get a foul ball to start, and it's four consecutive balls. We walk in a run here, makes it 2-1. We go out there and visit, and Pedarini nearly hits a grand slam. Three runs scored. It's a 5-1 ball game. Uh, we bring in Holcomb. He gets us out of it. Colby may have had his better at best outing as a Bulldog in this ball game, But the sixth inning proved to be our undoing. And, again, it's kind of self-inflicted, right? It's a leadoff walk. You, you finally get an out. You're able to – you got a couple guys on there. Runners a second and third. You get a K, and you walk. The base is loaded. And, and maybe that's kind of an unintentional, intentional walk. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, hey, if we can't get him a chase, let's put him on and we'll go after Thomas. We did and got a K there. So you're one pitch away from getting out of the jam, and we couldn't make a pitch. We end up walking a run in. The next thing you know, uh, the wheels fall off. So they pull Coupe, who was credited with the win because he was the pitcher of record when they take that 5-1 lead. And we get a few things going here. But, you know, Robinson comes in and uh, gets a couple outs, and he hits – Bryce Chance, he walks. Lane Forsythe, again, who is the new offensive catalyst for this team. And then he hits Amani Larry. The base is loaded again. 
And then Colton led better strikes out swinging. So, again, another opportunity for State to climb back into this thing. A base hit here scores two, right? And you start thinking, you start navigating through this with a two-run deficit rather than four. You feel a little bit better about life. And Colton's the guy you want up there. I'm not being critical of Colton. You know, he had a grand slam against Arizona State. He had a bases clear and triple against other Miss. This is not a guy that shies away from the big moment. But he didn't come through this weekend. All right, top of seven. They tack on a little bit more. Uh, kind of a crazy deal here, right? I mean, again, it's like, you know, these are all self-inflicted wounds. You get a strikeout looking, and then we walk a guy on a full count. You listen, it's a full-run ball game. Just challenge the guy here. Then he's still second. We get a K, so we're a pitch away from getting out of it. And then three consecutive errors. Three consecutive errors. We get a ground ball to second. It's going to end the inning. We boot it. Uh, we get a ground ball to third. All we got to do is make a routine throw to second. We pull him off the bag. Crazy. And then it's a single in the left center. And then DJ misplays it. And uh, everybody scores. So three consecutive errors. You're not going to beat anybody playing that way. Not going to happen. And, and again, you know, we're giving them free bases and, uh, and then giving them free outs. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care how good a pitcher you are. When you got to go out there and get six outs in an inning, you're going to give up runs. No matter who you are, where you're from, you're going to give it up. All right, top of seven, we go one, two, three. Excuse me, bottom of seven. Top of three. Uh, pretty good, again, pretty good outing here. Strike out looking, ground out to third. We walk a guy and walk another, but we get a K to get out of it. So those two walks don't come back to hurt us. But, um, you know, you can't keep walking the ballpark. Bottom of eight, State makes a little bit of a challenge here. After one out, there's a walk to Kellum Clark. Then Bryce Chance singles to right center. Runners on the corners now. Forsyth then reaches on a fielder's choice. The, the run scores, makes it 8-2. Larry's in hit by the pitch. Ledbetter singles to shortstop. So you know, here we are, bases loaded again. It's an 8-2 ball game in the eighth. We're down to four outs. And you just feel like, hey, a base hit here at least makes the night somewhat manageable. We uh, pinch hit with Connor Isaac here in place of DJ Jordan, and he K swing him. That's a tough spot to be in, but you know what? You're a veteran guy tr- trying to win a job here. You got to put a ball in play. We don't. Top of nine, they come out there. Uh, made it a little bit interesting, I guess. There's a ground out to third, and this is Tap Brock Tapper coming in, and Brock's become very reliable for state. You have a single back up the middle, and that's a very competitive at bat. It's a one-two count. Starts out 0-2, and then we throw a ball to get him a chase. He can't get it, and gets Kenny Kern, a guy that uh, nearly transferred to Mississippi State. We get Ross in a strikeout look, and we throw a wild pitch here, but then we get Andrew strikeout swinging. So, again, nice inning for Brock Tapper, who is consistently going out there getting outs. Bottom of nine, State makes it a little bit interesting. Uh, there's a walk, and then offers hit by the pitch, and then Hunter Hines hits the ball right on the nose and give them credit for some advanced scouting. It's right to the shortstop who's standing right behind the bag. He steps on the bag. It's a double play. Stage still didn't quit. Clark walks. Bryce Chance walks. Forsyth walks. They walk in the run here. So base is loaded again. And uh, Amani Larry, you're thinking, okay, the, the tying runs on deck in the form of Colton Ledbetter. If Larry can get on here, you never know. Colton may get a hold of one. Larry hits it well. Just happened to be right to left fielder. That's the ball game, 8-3. And the story of this game it's remarkable to look at this box score. I mean, it is. It absolutely is. Guys, we struck out 15 Ohio State hitters and lost. 
We struck out 15 and lost. They struck out 12, and Coupe had nine of them. Their bullpen strikes out three guys. They had to cover four innings. And we lose. You, you start looking at earned runs. We give up four earned runs here. Four. And four unearned runs. We give up five hits in the ballgame, and we strike out 15. If I told you before the ballgame started, we're going to give up five hits, and we're going to strike out 15. You saw, what was the final score? We did, did we 10-run rule them? No, we didn't, because we walked eight. And it seemed like every one of them came around to hurt us. And in addition to that, we made three errors in one inning that opened up the door for three runs. You take away that seventh inning, it's a much more competitive ballgame. There's just so many things here, and it's like there's if this, then this. It's not one thing. You got to play clean defense. You got to throw strikes, and you got to be clutch at the plate. And we weren't. And it kills us. All right, the Oklahoma game, it's a much different deal. Like, so we play. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink. And maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding. Whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at Tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, we nibble a little bit on Friday and we walk to ballpark. We pound the strikes on and listen, somebody says Scott Kennedy. Okay, Scott Kennedy is a guy that is known throughout college baseball the guy manages the game well, but if they evaluated people on stri- balls and strikes, I don't know he'd have a job. He'd probably, you know, probably at uh, California Junior College or something. But um, Scott Kennedy is going to make you throw it down the middle of the plate. He's not going to give you corners. And what's so crazy about it is, is that in this particular ball game for both teams, he was calling the left-hand strike. And what I mean by that, to his left, to the catcher's left. It didn't matter if it was a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter. He was giving him a half ball to a football off the plate. And then at times, he would just go away from it. He would consistently give it for two innings, and then all of a sudden, you couldn't. So it was a strike the first time through the order. Why didn't it strike now? So Kennedy's going to make you put the ball across the plate. We did and gave up 18 hits. And so when that happens, when you've got to go challenge guys, you better have some sink. And we, and we didn't. We absolutely didn't. I'll give you a, kind of a quick run through here, but uh, – you know, uh, uh, Graham Eintema, that's the correct pronunciation, Eintema, you know, he faces the minimum in the first inning. You get a couple of Ks, there's an infield single, then we pick him off. Uh, bottom of first, State has a chance here. Larry grounds out, but Ledbetter walks. Still second, so you got to go ahead, run at second. They walk Bryce Chance, who's hitting three-hole, and I kind of like that, to be honest with you. They go out and have a visit, and we're facing a guy that, that has, had never started a college baseball game. Transfer from Texas Tech that was primarily a reliever. No, he was exclusively a reliever. Had five relief appearances at Tech. Uh, comes to Oklahoma. You got a chance to put him on the ropes right here. We ground out to the pitcher and then offer grounds out to the pitcher. Back-to-back deals after the mound visit. It's like you get to go ahead run at second with less than two outs. He gets a walk behind him. So you get two guys on. We never advance to the runner. We don't. And those are the things that come back to bite you. Every at-bat counts. Like, people are like, well, you know when it matters most? It always matters. It always matters. People remember the dramatic ninth-inning home run. What well, if no drama if you take care of business the first eight innings? All right, top of second, they get to us here. And again, we got off to a pretty good start here. Ground out to short. And uh, give Nicholas some credit here. We're in the shift, and he just basically pushes it toward the second baseman by the pitcher, kind of in a no-man's land. And then it rattled Eintema. It did. Clark then walks. We get a fly out to left. We're a pitch away from getting out of this with two men on. And then Easton Carmichael, a freshman catcher who was absolutely outstanding, he killed us. Three-run bomb here. But even then, rather than Eintema kind of fold, he goes back and gets a K of the nine-hole hitter Pettis. Bottom of second, State comes back and takes the lead because we got a little fight in us. Hines flies out to right. And that's another thing I think about, too. All these rallies seem to happen when there's one or two outs. You need that out. you got to get a leadoff guy on. Uh, Rice Heifel does a great job singling the left center. There's, and then, again, he puts pressure on Spikerman by taking the big turn. And it forces the high throw, and immediately he takes second. So it's a single with a throwing error. Uh, Kellum Clark singles back up the middle. Great job of hitting here. A lot of people think that Kellum Clark has this caveman mentality. It's a seed ball, hit ball thing. He showed some real maturity here. 
Rather than trying to pull this ball, he takes it right back up the box. Heifel comes around to score. And Lane Forsyth kind of follows suit here. He goes up and works and works and works and works and works a count, try to get something he can handle, and then they walk him. Then they walk Amani Larry. Bases are loaded here. They go out for the mound visit. Uh, Colton Ledbetter, again, up with the bases loaded and can't come through. However, he gets a short fly ball to left field. We decide to uh, to send the runner and to throw us up the line. They charge an error to the catcher. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, but either way, the run scores is a 3-2 ball game. Bryce Chance comes up now with runners in second and third. And, again, this is why I like him hitting three-hole. He is going to try to hit, to hit the baseball where it is, not try to do too much. You know, your typical three-hole hitter is a guy that's got to be a masher. I, I think where we are right now offensively, I like Bryce there because I know Bryce can put the ball in play. Again, rather than try to do too much, what does he do? It's a line drive to center, two-run score. It's now a 4-3 ball game, states ahead. And then Luke grounds out the second. But, you know, you feel like, hey, the damage is done here. We finally got into this pitcher, a guy that's uh, probably a little bit rattled anyway. We made him pay. And immediately we give it back. Immediately we give it back. So you go out there and you put four runs up in the inning, and then you walk the leadoff hitter? Are you, are you kidding me? Just go out there and pound the zone. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Then we get behind, again, 2-0, we walk McKenzie on four pitches. And then it's a single to third base. They lay it down. It's like, again, you're bunting for a hit here, but worst case scenario, it works its way out to be a sacrifice. you got a couple guys in, um, in scoring position. Initially, they call the guy out. And uh, I thought in live action he was out until I saw the replay. And the ball actually bounced to Luke. Luke made a great effort trying to make it a play here. Now bases are loaded. Harrison single through the right side. Couple runs score. Oklahoma's back in front. Uh, we get a pickoff here, and then we walk Nicholas, and then we walk Clark. And so that's four walks in the inning after you put up four runs. That's your answer. That's, that's not competition. That's not going to get it done. That's not Mississippi State baseball. So you pull them, you bring in Tyson Harden. They pinch hit and bring in Garza Gangora, who homers to right field, drives in uh, three runs here, makes it an 8-4 eight, eight, ball game. And then Easton Carmichael doubles again, and we get Pettis to pop up to the shortstop. But just after you take a lead, 4-3, you go out there and you walk the ballpark. You walk four guys in an inning. It's insanity, man. It is. It is. And this kind of stuff that, that infuriates me and infuriates you, and I can assure you Scott Foxall and Chris Simonis feel the same way. Now, the difference is it's easy for us because, you know, we didn't go recruit the kids. But the kids understand the expectations of Mississippi State baseball. You can't go score four runs and then go four, walk four guys in the next inning. You can't do it. And I'll tell you this, you can't keep trotting that guy out there, too. If, if that's what he's going to do, you can't put him out there. All right, bottom of third, Rice Highfield, Rice Highfield kind of the, uh, you know, the highlight of this inning, uh, he gets a two-out solo home run to left. And it was an absolute tank. Congratulations to Ross and the Highfield family. First collegiate home run there. Uh, top of four. Uh, Harden comes in, again, you know, he, we, we kind of throw him into the fire here, but he comes out and does a pretty good job here this next inning. You get a strikeout swing and a ground out to second. You give up a pair of singles, and there's a walk, and now all of a sudden you've put yourself in a jam, but you get to fly out to left center to get out of it. And again, you know, the walk, of course, extends the inning. You, you can't do that. All right, bottom of four, State rallies again. You know, you, they, they did some damage there in the third, and you kind of navigate through it in the fourth. And then you get to the bottom of four, and you're, it's a one-run game again. 
Lane flies out to left. Amani with a single. Ledbetter strikes out. However, Larry advances to, to second on a wild pitch, and they walk Bryce Chance again. Wild pitch meets both these guys up. Now runners to second. Third, two-minute scoring position. You just need a base knock. And Luke comes through. The captain doubles down the left field line, two-run score. It's now 8-7. So you're, you're, you're a base hit away from tying this thing up. Uh, Slade grounds out, but you feel like, okay, we're back in it. We're back in the ballgame. So you put up, you know, a couple runs there to make this thing competitive. You're within a run and plenty of ball game left. And we go out there and we give up three consecutive hits. A triple, a single, a single. It's now a 9-7 game. We bring in Tyler Davis. And before Tyler Davis is done, it's a 12-7 game. Now, Tyler Davis had an outstanding two years at VCU. He has had one good appearance at Mississippi State. He has got to get it together. Simple as that. He has to get it together. That guy's got to come in here. And you forget, too, I mean, he almost wasn't eligible because VCU kind of opposed the transfer. So we had to kind of appeal that. We had to get a waiver. We got it all done. And so when people work this hard to make you part of their program, you got to respond. I know the guy's not going out there thinking, hi, it's okay. I'll just go, you know, we'll do the best I can. No, I mean, you know, the best you can may not be good enough. It's, it's not about doing your best at Mississippi State. It's about doing what's expected. And Tyler Davis has got to be a dude for us. He does. He's shown some flashes. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's got to figure it out. If he's going to continue to be out there and pitching meaningful ball games, he's going to have to do better than this. And that's what was so crazy about this. You know, it's like, you know, again, you bring him in and you turn a two-run ball game into a five-run ball game. And at that point, I think we all felt this game was over. Uh, Hunter Hines hits a bomb to right center uh, to make it a 12-8 ball game. You start you know, kind of thinking, okay, if we can chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away, we don't capitalize on it. They, they do make a change here and bring in uh, Jet Loads. So he gets Heifel to strike out. Clark singles to center and then goes to second. So, again, there's another run, duck on the pond there with less than two outs. Lane Forsythe. The offensive catalyst drives him in, makes it a 12-9 ball game. So you score two runs in the inning, and you think, okay, we're, we're keeping hope alive here. And then Amani strikes out, Ledbetter pops up. And those two guys, too, have been so good for us. But, uh, you know, in those situations, we're trying to come back, and you got top of the order up there. You know, we're so used to Rowdy and T.A. or Jake Mangum being up there, we expect top of the order to deliver. All right, so again, you put up a couple runs here. You think, okay, we're back in the ballgame. We immediately give one back. Double to left center, strikeout swing, and ground out to third. It moves the runner to third, on, on the, on the, and the run comes down and scores. It's just, again, you throw the guy out at first, if I remember this correctly. We ground out to third, we throw across the first, and then Luke Hancock throws it back to third. We're trying to double him up, and the ball gets loose, gets in the dugout, run scores. You know, if we just hold the ball there, we're probably out of the inning. Just, again, trying to do too much. I know you want to make a play here. There's no play to be made there. There's no play. Because the worst-case scenario is the ball gets loose and the run score. That's exactly what happens. But you start thinking about this. They get a leadoff double, and now you've got the second out, right? You got a strikeout swinging. You get a ground out to third. I mean, you're a pitch away from getting out of this. Just go get the hitter, right? But we try to do too much here and throw the ball away. It's a mistake. We go one, two, three in the sixth. They go one, two, three in the seventh. Uh, bottom of seventh, pretty good job here, I guess, by you know, the Ohio State bullpen. They get a ground out to first. They walk Ross, and then uh, Kellum Clark reaches on a fielding error. So now all of a sudden you get runners at first and second. You got to make them pay. Forsyth grounds out, but it works the same as a bunt. Top of the order is up with two men on a scoring position. 
with less than when uh, with less than well, excuse me with one out to go, and then Amani Larry walks, works this count, and gets the base on ball. So you got your guy up there, Colton Ledbetter. The tying run is now at the plate. That's how significant this at bat is. And you think worst case scenario, we get a base hit and score two, then we can see what we can you know kind of chisel away here at the end. We had our opportunity, we pop up to the shortstop. Now it's you know, again, so you, you strand three more. You start working through this, and again, we had our chances. You know, even though this game got lopsided here, we had our chances to make this a real ball game. All right, top of eight, they tack on a pretty big insurance run here. Again, it's a bunt single. And uh, then there's you know Fielder's Choice here. We force a runner at second, and then Garza Gungora comes up, single to the right side, runners on the corners. And Easton Carmichael, even when he's not killing us, he's killing us. It's a fly out to center field, ends up being an RBI sack fly, makes it 14-9. Bottom of eight, we're down five. There's still hope alive, I guess. But instead, we, we strike out looking. There, Hancock singles to center, and then there's nothing to do, and we can't build around it. So we go into the ninth inning, uh, down five, and, of course, they tack on another big insurance run here. Ground up the pitcher, a walk, a pop-up to shortstop down the line. And again, we're a, ch- a chance to get out of it. We They give a single up the middle. Um... Now runners on the corners, and it's a pass ball and run scores. I mean, it's just the fundamental elements of baseball right here. You know, again, how, how many runs we gave them? And we give them one on the uh, attempted double play attempt. We throw back across the diamond, right? We give them one here on this pass ball. Yeah, that's just not winning baseball. We get to the ninth. We get it. Ross walks, and then it's a one, two, three inning after that. And so 15 to nine, uh, the Bulldogs lose. And it, it, it sound, the score sounds worse than it was. But State had every opportunity to make a game of this. And, again, battled and, and battled and battled for a while. But in the later innings, I, you know, I thought it was a little lay down in us, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I thought we battled and had opportunities. We just couldn't get the big hit. But uh, we ended up leaving 10 on base. I mean, it was an epidemic all weekend. And then, finally, we get to the Cal game. And this one went a lot quicker, even though State wins a ball game. I mean, I thought pitching was better in this ball game really for both teams in many respects, even though everybody scored the first three innings. You know, State comes out, and I thought Amani Larry was very aggressive on the base pass. Ask him about it some postgame. Larry's hit by the pitch, still second, led better than walks. Chance singles to right center. Base is loaded here. Larry had to hold up at second to make sure the ball gets down. And next thing you know, it's a two-out. It's a two-o count to Luke, which is the wrong guy to get in a, in a, a negative count against. He flies out down the line. They tag and score one nothing. And Slate Offord reaches on a first base error, and another run is in. So we put the ball in play there. Even though it's an ROE, it's good to see the ball put in play there. Again, a chance for us to uh, to blow this thing open early, and there's an infield fly, and then we ground up to short. But 2 nothing after the first half inning. And the next thing you know, it's like, here we go. Here we go again. All right, we get a fly out the center. We get a strikeout swing, and we're, we're able to get out of here, right? Okay, no. Two out walks are the devil, man. We walk Crawford, a three-hole hitter. Then he goes to second on a pass ball. Then it's a double down the line. That's how life works. And we had him struck out. We had Peyton Scholl struck out. And just kind of a, a bad luck deal here. We had him struck out, a little bit of a foul tip. We can't hold it. And the very next thing he does is he lines the ball in, down the line and uh, two-run score. I mean, that's just kind of how it works sometimes. And maybe I'm misremembering that aspect of it. I know he swung and missed. Um, but nevertheless... It's a two-out walk that extends the inning. And then, of course, we have the uh, pass ball. It puts him in a scoring position, and it's a base hit. So, it's, again, it's self-inflicted, self-inflicted, and at some point the baseball gods make you pay. 
All right, top of second. State comes back and gets that one run back. Uh, it all starts with a uh, you know, Clark reaches on a drop pop fly by the second baseman, never even touched it. Forsyth strikes out looking, and then Larry doubles down the line. Clark goes to thirds. So you got two guys in scoring position, less than two outs. Ledbetter grounds out to short. The run scores. Base hit there scores two. Chance flies out to center field. So you know, Ledbetter gets the RBI there, and he was leading the nation in RBIs going into the weekend. He had picked up a couple, but uh, certainly a, a chance for some, some more. And then Garman comes out, gives up a gopher ball uh, to crush him. Solo shot, makes it 3-2. And, guys, here's the thing, too. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't understand. Guys, listen. When we've got a lead, challenge hitters, and that's what we did. And we got ahead 0-2 here and even had a 1-2 count. We tried to get him a chase. He wouldn't. We leave a ball up. He punches in us. But you know what? It's one run. And then after that, he gets the next three guys. With very, very light contact. All right, top of third, State gets that run right back. Hancock singles up the middle, and then we get a one-out uh, double from Hunter Hines down the right field line. The run scores, and Cheese is waving Hunter around. It's a close play at third. They had to make a good play. They do, and Hines is out at third. And then Heifel grounds out there. But uh, I'm okay with the aggressiveness there. I think sometimes maybe you know your personnel a little bit, especially with Hunter kind of coming back after being a little bit gimpy. I don't know that I would have sent him in that situation, but also understand you want to f- put some pressure because if he gets in there – all of a sudden, you got Ross a chance to elevate a, a ball here and, and probably get an RBI sack fly. And after the, the two games that we had had, I kind of understand being aggressive here. All right, bottom of third, we nearly give it right back. We do. One out home run from, Rod, uh, from Rodney Green Jr. makes it 4-3. Then we walk Crawford. Schultz strikes out swinging. Crawford's still second. And then um, – we get a fly out down the line. So, again, it's a solo home run with one out. You know, you got a two-run lead. Go go challenge the guy. And, listen, he threw 95 pitches, Garvin did, and 44 of them balls. He didn't have his best stuff, but he competed. State challenges a little bit in the fourth, couldn't score. A bottom of four, they tied a game up here. And, again, it's a walk, stolen base, walk, sack bunt, Niners runners a second, third, one down. And you get a ground out to third. And the run scores, ties the ball game. Then we hit by the pitch, and there's a wild pitch, and the circus comes to town. And then we get Green to strike out looking, so we get out of it. We go one, two, three in the fifth, and then we brought in uh, Nate Dome. And, it, and Cal didn't know it at this point, but the game was over. Nate Dome, really good week, right? You saw what he did this other miss. You saw what he did to Cal. Should he start? I don't know. Should he remain in the bullpen? I don't know. I don't know that I wouldn't start him, to be honest with you. I don't know, can't guarantee that I'm going to get to him with a lead, right? So we bring in uh, Nate, and he gets a K swinging. Fly out to center. We walk a guy here, and I'll be honest with you, I thought we got squeezed this entire at bat. And we get crushed him to fly out at left. Stig goes one, two, three in the six. Cal goes one, two, three in the six. Two of those Ks. Top of seven. A little bit of heroics here from Amani Larry. Lane flies out to center. Hit the ball really well on a full count. Larry flies out to left. Excuse me, home run to left to give State a 5-4 lead. And the way Nate was pitching, you felt pretty good about things. Ledbetter then grounds out to second. They make a, a change here. And then Bryce Chance doubles to right center. Hancock walks. You're thinking, we're fixing to blow this thing open. We don't. We don't. Uh, Slate flies out to center field. So it's a 5-4 lead. State's got the lead back. You know, State had nursed this thing along. A couple of solo bombs allow them to kind of climb back in it. But um, bottom of seven, 
It's a fielding error by a third baseman here by Slade Alford. And then we force the runner at second. And then it's another fielding error on Slade Alford. And then we get Peyton Schultz, who was outstanding all weekend to strike out. And then we hit uh, both by the pitch. The base is loaded. This is their chance. And we get Crash to fly out to center field. That's the really the only the only threat they had to Nate. And that's aided by two errors in the inning. We know what happened in the seventh inning against Oklahoma. I mean, excuse me, against Ohio State, we gave him the game. Here we are with two errors in this inning. What is it about seventh inning? Can we just play clean here? Our top of eight, State gets some separation here. Uh, Heifel uh, reaches on an error, and then Kellum Clark hits the ball, what, 464 feet to really put the game away, 7-4. And then it's a ground out, a single, and then Ledbetter flies out. Uh, Bottom eight, we give up an infield single. The only hit against Nate Dome was an infield single, and we nearly make a play here. And it's a fly out, fly out, fly out. Top of nine, State comes back, gets a big insurance run. Chance singles to right center. Hancock doubles down the line. Chance scores is 8-4. Chester's in hit by the pitch. He came in relief of Slate Alford. They bring in uh, Stamos, and then he gets a ground out to second. Now you got runners at second and third with less than two outs. you you got to find a way to get these things home. Ross tries to elevate one. It just wasn't quite deep enough. They hold the runner, and then Kellum strikes out swinging on three pitches. you got to find a way to get that run home. I know it's an 8-4 ball game. You can never have enough. But with Nate, Nate's like, I got it. Four runs is more than enough margin. He gets a 1-2-3 inning, a couple of those are Ks. And so the story of this game is Nate Dome for one. But number two, State did what good teams do. They answered. You get up two, you give up one, and then you score one. You give up one, you get that run back, right? State scored the first three innings of the ballgame. It's tied after four because State didn't score in the half inning. But you match them in the fifth and sixth with no scores. But in the final three innings, State scored four runs. They scored nothing. And in tight ball games, that's a difference. State got timely hitting late. They made them pay for errors. The good thing for State is the two errors that happened in the seventh inning didn't cost us any runs. But we can't keep living that way. Because how many times does it happen for us? So it is a good win. California's a 7-3 and three team. They're going to be a good team. I don't see them in a regional, though. I think they'll be a good team in the, in the Pac-12. I don't know how good the Pac-12 is going to be this year. Uh, but I know that, you know, Cal without their Friday night guy is uh, probably can't absorb it. They're a young team, though. They feel really good about life kind of moving forward. But State ends the weekend 1-2 and two, and 2-2 two and two on the week. And so you feel like in many respects, you know, State a game back of what they should have done. And, again, I think Ohio State's probably the game we should have won. But when you go back through the Oklahoma game, you can see how many missed opportunities we had in this ballgame. I mean, State had a chance to win all three. I mean, you, we just get decent pitching against Ohio State out of the bullpen, and you get good starting pitching against Oklahoma, which both of those have remained elusive, right? You win the ball game. And the thing that I think about is what will this pitching staff look like with a healthy Kate Smith, a healthy Pico Cohn, and a healthy Aaron Nixon? And they're not far away from what I understand. But you start thinking, okay, we can add those guys in and you don't have to keep trotting the same guys out there, provide some competition and some more talent. All three of those guys are very talented. You get those guys back heading into SEC play, all of a sudden you have a little more confidence in pitching. And that's going to determine the quality of this season. It's not, it's not going to be hitting. In many respects, it's not going to be defense. I think they'll, they'll get that figured out. 
with the pitching. Because what happens when you walk the ballpark is, you know, your, your fielders begin to lose confidence in you. They begin to drift. Their attention is not what it should be. When you got a guy out there that's rocking and throwing strikes and letting the defense make plays for him, it's easy to play good defense. But when you have to sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there and watch guys walk guys and walk guys and walk guys, it impacts your defense. And if you don't believe it, go coach a baseball team at any level. You'll find out yourself. It's how the game works. But, again, State 1-2 and two on the weekend, 2-2 two and two on the week, and uh, we'll preview the rest of the week uh, later in the show. It's time for today's top 10 list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. There are a lot of people in the mortgage industry. Blair's a pro. You want your loan closed without a lot of stress or anxiety. Your best bet is CloseWithBlair.com. Visit that website today, or better yet, let me give you his personal cell number. How would that be? Just between us girls here, let's, let me give you Blair's personal cell. Don't tell anyone I gave it to you that's just for you. No, seriously, Blair won't mind if you share it with a friend that's maybe looking into purchasing a home. Hit him up at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. There's a lot of people out there with this smoke and mirrors approach of thing. Blair is uh, very straightforward, an honest businessman, 21 years of experience in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country in back-to-back years. Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction with mortgage loan origination. Again, that's close to Blair.com. And thanks to Blair for always sponsoring our top 10 list. Now, we had tons of requests. I would venture to say maybe more requests for any list in the history of the top 10 list in the last 24 hours for Gary Rossington. Those of you who don't know Gary Rossington, he was uh, one of the three lead guitar players in the legendary Southern rock band Leonard Skinner. Gary passed away at the age of 71. Not sure what happened there, but uh, Gary lived a long life. You know, as my wife mentioned last night as we're riding across Dallas and uh, headed to the movies, went and saw a knock at the cabin at one of these uh, dinner and a movie places where they serve you dinner. They call themselves serving you dinner. They charge you 18% gratuity and give you bad service. But uh, nevertheless, I digress. Got out of the movies and found out about Gary Rossington. And uh, <clears throat> I was saddened, man. I really was. And um, many of you were as well. And I sent out a tweet and put on Facebook that uh, yeah, it was sad. I mean, Gary Rossington, the last surviving member of the original lineup of Leonard Skinner, is now gone. It's sad. I mean, as my wife says, you know, I mean, hey, it's not a big shock that these aging rock stars are passing on. I mean, we're not getting any younger. That's true. One day I'll be gone too. And you'll have the uh, the boneyard to go back and listen to and the books to read. I, I feel like I've left a pretty good legacy. I try. You know, my, my kids will always be able to go back and hear my voice, right? Uh, that's the case for Gary Rossington on a much bigger global scale. A lot of people that love Gary Rossington will always have his music to hang on to. So we're going to do a top 10 list of songs written or co-written by Gary Rossington today on the list. Very heavy on the Skinnerd. We've done a lot of Leonard Skinnerd here. My, my favorite member of the Skinnerd family was uh, Alan Collins, Gary Rossington, probably second. But uh, very sad deal. And, and I think Gary Rossington probably extended Alan Collins' life. 
because of the Rossington Collins Band. And we're going to start with a Rossington Collins Band track called Seems Like Every Day off the second album from the Rossington Collins Band. And those of you that don't know, Leon Wilkerson, Billy Powell, those guys got together after the plane crash and, and, and tried to continue not as Leonard Skinner, but to kind of keep the legacy alive in many respects. They would still play a Skinner track or two every now and again. But they did a lot of original music with Washington Collins. But from the second album, it seems like every day. Number nine, a Skinner track. It's Mr. Banker. That's written by one Gary Rossington. Number eight, probably an underappreciated classic in the Skinner catalog. It's Things Going On. That's also written by Gary Rossington. think you'll enjoy that one. Number seven, love this track, man. Absolutely love it. It became a bit of a catchphrase, kind of in the southern vernacular. It's don't ask me no questions, and I won't tell you no lies. Number six, going back to the Rossington Collins catalog, probably the most appreciated song they wrote, their biggest hit. I don't think there's much question about it. It's uh, (laughs) don't misunderstand me by Rossington Collins. Many of you may have heard that song and didn't know who performed it, but it's a Rossington Collins band, uh, the phoenix that rose from the ashes of Leonard Skinner crash. Number five, back to the Skinner catalog, it's I Ain't the One. This is about uh, a young man that gets a young lady pregnant, and, uh, you know, she's trying to pin the pregnancy on him, so I'm not the one. I ain't the one. Number four, this is a track that's co-written by Gary Rossington and Warren Zevon and many others and performed by Kid Rock. And Kid Rock had reached out to Gary Rossington and asked for permission, and Gary's like, hey, let's do it. It's All Summer Long by Kid Rock. And Gary was a part of that production, and uh, I don't know that that song comes together without Gary Rossington. Number three, What's Your Name? This is a song that uh, was written in part about Melody Van Zant, Ronnie's daughter, but uh, Gary came up with a great hook here. But what's your name, little girl? What's your name? Number two, and we're going to close out with some absolute Skinner classics. Number two, it's Sweet Home Alabama. And I don't know if Alan Collins and Gary Rossington were ever better than on this one. Number one, though, and this is a song, too, that uh, probably the only song that surpasses it in popularity in South Mississippi is Amazing Grace, but it's Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. You talk about words for living. There's a lot of songs out there that are anthemic. This is one of them. And I think at some point, every young man in the South has had that conversation with his mom or his dad that says, hey, here's, here's who I need you to be. Here's who I want you to aspire to be. And a song, Simple Man, is a part of that. Shine Down covered it. And uh, I told you guys on the show before, the reason they did is because former Shine Down guitarist Jason Todd was married at one time to Melody Van Zandt. It's very difficult to get permission from the Van Zandt family to record a Leonard Skinner song. And I'm glad it is that way. But Simple Man was recorded by Shine Down and covered by Shine Down, And they really reintroduced this song to a brand new generation. As much as I love Brent Smith and the guys from Shinedown, nothing compares to the original version. You can go through so many lyrics there. You know, it's like, forget your lust for the rich man's gold, because all that you need is in your soul. Then the part where they talk about, you know, follow your heart and nothing else. And those are the things that, uh, you know, we talk about authenticity in life. We talk about being your genuine self. And uh, my, my wife and I, too, we do these cards when we travel. 
you know, it's like a little card game where you ask each other questions and things like that. And, and, and a lot of times she likes to drive. And that's fine with me because I can, you know, get on the phone or whatever, and she gets tired of driving for a while. But a lot of times, you know, after you've listened to Octane on a, on a long trip, you've heard uh, everything you want to hear. We'll get these cards out. We'll ask each other these questions. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that uh, has come up that uh, it came up again today, it's like, what is something people should never joke about? And uh, my wife was talking about, you know, kind of along the same lines, you know, you know people that uh, you shouldn't be, you know, judged for, uh, you know, for who they are. And my, one of my biggest pet peeves in life, and it doesn't really impact me much because I've got alligator skin. I mean, you know, you don't, ha- I got hair down on my waist, man. I got covered in tattoos. I don't really care. You know, do I look like somebody that cares? Like I'm conducting a poll on how I should look. But there are a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, maybe they weren't born with good genetics. And they're not what some people would call attractive. They got nothing to do with that. They didn't pick their parents. And there are so many people out there that are so judgmental of how people look. Not how they choose to look, but just basically how they look. And I don't think that's something we should ever you know, judge people for or be critical of. Oh, that person's not attractive. Okay, well, everybody's attractive in their own way to somebody. You know, it's like, it's weird to think, you know, you see people out there and you say, you know what, there's somebody somewhere that thinks that is the most beautiful woman ever. Or that is the most handsome guy ever. Even if they're not attractive to you, they're attractive to somebody. And how would you feel if you were judged in that same light? Most people are not attractive according to society standards. And so, you know, I think that kind of goes, plays hand in hand with a simple man thing. It's like, you know, just be yourself, be your authentic self. And the people that love you are going to love you anyway. It's like somebody sent me this song a while back. I'm not a country music guy, but somebody sent me this Brantley Gilbert song. And it was, I was having a tough time. I was, I'm not going to lie. And it's the great song, The Ones That Like Me Love Me. And they said, every time I hear this song, I think of you. And you know what? That became rather anthemic for me because that's, you know, those of you that like me, love me. There's not a lot of people that are indifferent about me. And I don't think anybody is uh, listening to this show or buying books or subscribing to our website because of how handsome they think I may be. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't even begin to rank myself. I think this is probably the coolest version that I've ever been. But I think it's very poor form to judge somebody based on their appearance. You know, it's one thing, you know, we see somebody that's attractive, you know, and we can all agree, you know, hey, this person's very attractive. You know, not everybody is going to be you know, Julia Roberts or Halle Berry or Pamela Anderson or, you know, anybody like that or Brad Pitt, you know, that's just not the case. And the reason that they are so universally known for their looks is because of the fact that uh, they're the exception rather than the rule. But most of us are the rule rather than the exception. Most of us are just pretty average. You know what? That's okay. You got to do some different things to stand out. But, uh, you know, my little platitude for the day, I guess you could say, is let's not judge people for things they can't control, right? I mean, people can't control how they're born. You can't control your parents, your DNA. You can't control your family legacy. You can't control your family wealth. All you can do is control yourself. And there's somebody out there for everybody. There is. And a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, and I was like this too, and I'll share this with you and we'll move on. But man, every time in my life, before I met my wife, I settled for. I did. I did. You know, my friends used to call me Baskin and Robbins. And, you'll, and I laugh about that now because it was a flavor of the month club. That's what they used to always say. 
Because I'd meet some girl and I'd, I'd be so infatuated with her, and then I'd feel like, ah, there's not anything here. There's no substance to this relationship, or even to this person in some situations. Maybe they were attractive, or they weren't. Maybe they were means to an end or whatever. But you know, when I finally said, you know what, I'm not going to settle for her, I ended up meeting the woman that became my wife, and she's upstairs now. We just got back from Frisco, Texas together. And so I'd encourage you, don't settle. Don't sell yourself short. Now, we're not all going to date a model, right? As Bubba Sparks taught us. None of us will date a model. Yeah. I did. <laughs> but the uh, reality of it is, is the, um, you know, those situations are few and far between. And so I just encourage you, you know what? Love people for who they are and not for who we'd have them to be. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Go by and check them out next time you're in town. Campus Bookmart. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in an own universe. Go by and check them out. The bully shop completely renovated, no longer in a textbook. And uh, by renovating the bully shop, it's allowed them to expand their selection. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR to get free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's promo code BSR at campusbookmart.net. Okay. We lost to Vanderbilt Saturday night, and uh, it really felt like every time that we made a run, they answered. Give them credit. We've talked about it for the better part of three weeks. It wasn't going to be the game we thought it was a month ago. 10,544 people showed up at Memorial Gymnasium to watch the ball game. Stayed trailed by as many as 10 in the first half. Battled back, won the second half, but still came up five points short. Uh, Tolu Smith... Your new Howell Trophy Award winner scored 27 points, pulled down 11 rebounds. This is a guy that's trying to play his way into the big dance. I don't get the sense that he has draft-itis at all. He is playing very unselfish basketball. He's playing within himself. And how many times have we said the last couple of years he just didn't have good hands for that entry pass? He's gotten better with that. DJ Jeffries, a big ball game, too. One of the biggest games he's had wearing maroon and white. 17 points, 11 boards. Shaquille Moore, also 13 points for him. Cam Matthews pulls down 11 boards and, and nearly had a steal late. I thought he did. I think they kind of anticipated a call there because he knocks it loose and it goes off the Vanderbilt player's foot. Should have been our ball. However, they call a foul. We're never able to get caught up there. But no points for Cam, which is a rarity. But uh, he still finds a way to do, to do things right. Deshaun Davis, five points for him, and uh, you know, had some moments late that I thought he, he should have been a little more selfish, just two of three from the floor. But I felt like, again, we played with great intensity. We had a great game plan. Uh, Bulldogs not especially sharp from the free throw line, just 12 of 21 in, in three-point shooting. It kind of is what it is at this point, right? Four of 17 as a team, but it felt like Vanderbilt, every time we made a run, they found a way to hit a three. 12 of 25, that's really the difference in the ball game right there. They make eight more threes than us. That's 24 points. Points in the paint, State with 36. They had 22, so we neutralized a little bit of that. But without Liam Robbins, you know, you felt like we'd have a greater advantage inside and give Vanderbilt some credit. Did a great job. 21 points off the bench, State just 10. State with 25 second chance points because we did such a good job on the glass. Vanderbilt with just 24 boards. We had 45 rebounds. Think about that for a second. Nearly doubled them up on the glass, and that kept us in the game. And then when they answered, of course, it was a three-point basket. Not a great run, but I'll tell you, when you go back to the end of this ball game, 
We talked how many times in the last couple of years we talked about how crucial the final four minutes are, and State always found a way to fold. You look here at the four-minute mark. State is down 10. 421 to go. State is down 10. We knock down a couple free throws. Next thing you know, we get a stop. Tolu again with a basket. Cuts it to seven at the 340 mark. We get a stop. We miss a three. They get a rebound. We foul it. Make a couple free throws. Push it back to nine. And just when you think the game is over, we get a defensive rebound, and Sean Jones Jr. rams home a three. It's a six-point game now with 2.14 to play. We get a stop and a rebound, and Shaquille Moore in the paint, lays it up and in. It's a four-point game with 134 to go. They get a layup, and you think, okay, it's over now. They're up six at a minute to go. No, no, because we end up getting fouled, and Sean Jones steps up and knocks them both down. It's a four-point game with a minute to play. We end up having a foul. Jordan Wright makes two free throws to push it back to six. We miss a three. They get a rebound. We foul. They miss the free throw. We get the rebound, miss a three. Then there's a block there. We get a rebound, miss a layup down close, and they end up fouling. Tolu makes one of two, makes it a five-point game, 19 seconds. You think this thing is over. No, we get an offensive rebound. And D.J. Jeffries makes a jumper. It is a three-point game with 10 seconds to go. And again, we thought this thing was over at the four-minute mark, but it's not. It's a possession game. We just got to get a stop here. And that's just where we get that play where they call the foul, and it really felt like it looked like in hindsight that it was a clean poke, and it should have been State's ball. They make one or two free throws. We go down. D.J. again makes it a two-point game, eight seconds to play. And uh, you know, from there, we just couldn't get any closer. They, they, they make one free throw, so we have a chance you know, here late. And then Cam Matthews has to kind of hoist up a desperation three. And it felt like we had a little more time here. We kind of rushed the shot. And I don't know if I want Cam taking that shot, especially considering he was over on the night. But the fact that we were down 10 with four minutes to play and had a chance for a game-tying shot in the last second says, again, a lot about this team. And then we end up having a foul, and they make a couple free throws. It was really academic at that point. Made it a five-point game. But um, there is so much fight in this men's basketball team. There's so much to be proud of in this men's basketball team. This team deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, you want me to sit here and tell you that we're in? I don't know that we're in. I believe if we beat Florida, we're in. I believe that we will be in. I know what the latest projections suggest. However, if we lose that game to Florida... I think we're headed to the NIT. I don't think we're in today. And there are a lot of people out there that's, oh, we're in, we're in, we're in. I I think it's wishful thinking. I I think, you know, maybe if the tournament started today, we're in. But we still have a game to play. That's important to understand. There is still a game to play. And I just don't think we're in a position that we can afford to lose a ballgame. Maybe you disagree. That's not how I see it. I think we're going to have to go out there and beat Florida. We should have beaten them when we played them here. Do we not agree? I think we do. So let's take a quick look at this Florida Gators team. They had a couple guys, of course, uh, make all SEC. They're 16 and 15 overall, 9 and 9 in the conference. They've won their last two. They're 10 and 5 at home, 4 and 7 on true road games, and 2 and 3 on a neutral floor. So 6 and 10 away from the O'Connell Center. We got to take full advantage. Let's just go back and kind of look at SEC play here and see kind of how we got here. But, you know, they're right there with us in the standings. You know, overall, State's got the better record. We got to go play well. Uh, they lo- they open up SEC play losing at Auburn. 
They lose to A&M by three. And A&M, you saw what they became over the course of the year. Uh, they beat Georgia 82-75, lose at LSU. I mean, who loses to LSU, right? Rough. Rough. It's pretty crazy to think about this. I mean, it is. It is. All right, so you lose to LSU. Uh, you beat Mizzou, you lose at A&M, and that's a two-point game. And you come to Mississippi State, you win 61-59, a game that we should have won. We all know this. We let that one get away. We wouldn't be in this position today. And we'd probably play in Florida, but the reality of it is we'd have a game more to our credit. I think we'd feel better about our standing. Then they beat South Carolina. They lose at Kansas State. They beat Tennessee in Gainesville by 13. And you know how good an athletic Tennessee team is. They go and lose at the Rupp Arena. They get blasted by Alabama. They lose to Vanderbilt in Gainesville by eight. They beat Ole Miss. Everybody does. Uh, they lose at Arkansas, 84-65. You know how difficult it is to play at Bud Walton Arena. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. They lose to Kentucky in Gainesville. They go to Vandy here recently, lose by 16, and then they win at Georgia. So they sweep the series against Mike White, and then they beat LSU on senior day. So they've won two in a row. This is a team, obviously, that uh, you know, has some dudes. I mean, it's still Florida. I know their record doesn't reflect it, but you know, they still recruited a pretty good level. They're going to have players that can get out there and run the floor. They're going to be athletic. We're going to have to find a way to get this thing done. Look at some individual numbers here. You know, I guess it's a team. It's a team. They're averaging 72 points a game, but they're allowing 68. We probably need this game to stay in the 60s. Probably do. Colin Castleton, of course, is a guy that, uh, you know, has played a lot. You know, he's, he's missed four games this year, but uh, he started every game. He is a guy that really plays hard for him. He's a matchup nightmare for a lot of people. Uh, averaging 16 points a game, 78 blocks on the year, which is uh, about half of what they've done as a team. Uh, Will Richard or Richard, depending on where you live, uh, 10.8 points a game. Outside of that, there are no double-digit scorers, but there's uh, three guys right there around that. Of course, Riley Kugel, you're familiar with him. Makes all SEC. Should have been a Bulldog. Uh, Kyle Lofton, nine points. And then uh, Kawatsi Reeves, 8.7. So, you know, as a team, they're kind of getting some things done. Uh, from a three-point line, this is a team that's shooting 32%. They're allowing right at 32%. There's only like six one-hundredths of a percent between what they're allowing and what they're scoring. So, But they're a team that's kind of timely on these threes. You know, the biggest threat there, of course, uh, is uh, Will Richard. You know, he, he's knocked down 50, shooting 41%. Everybody else is beneath 40%. You know, Riley Kugel, 38%. But, uh, you know, Riley had a good game against us. We've got to find a way to make this thing happen. But uh, a lot of people think we need to beat Florida and Alabama. I just don't – I don't subscribe to that. I think you beat – I think you beat Florida, you're in. And even if you lose to Alabama, that's a quad one loss. And, and we've proven to be very competitive against Alabama. You know, we'll see how things progress with them. But, uh, you know, we've got to find a way to make this thing happen. We do. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, th- this obviously – uh, is it probably one of the most important games in Mississippi State recent basketball history? And so we'll play that game on Thursday. That's March 9th. That is uh, the, the noon tip, I guess. So we'll have more coverage of that on Wednesday show. But I uh, kind of wanted to recap the Vanderbilt game. And then, you know, we get into Wednesday show. We'll be, you know, men's tournament, be spring practice and things like that. We'll recap uh, Tuesday night's uh, baseball game. But uh, no matter how this thing plays out, I'm exceptionally proud of the team 
and the direction that we're headed. I think you all feel the same way. I don't think there are any fence sitters anymore when it comes to Mississippi State men's basketball. I think people are like, you know what? If we can get a couple scores, we're going to be legit. We are. And again, in year one, here we are basically in a play-in game in the NCAA tournament. You win this game, I think you're in, regardless of what happens in round two. You just got to be able to take care of this. And I think there's so many people would agree. You know, Steve, hey, give me one game, right? Give me one game to prove my tournament worthiness against a contemporary. I think I can do it. And I think Chris Jans and the guys are going to do it. And, again, we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, we're getting into Wednesday, too. Look at the bracket here. Your Wednesday are two games on Wednesday, both of them in the evening. Ole Miss plays South Carolina. That's an interim coaching situation. Our David Johnson uh, with Inside the Rebels 247 says that it doesn't appear that many of the coaches on their wish list are returning the interest. There may be some assistant coaches, maybe some first-time coaches. Uh, that's something to watch. There were some people, of course, that thought they may get Chris Beard. Uh, it does not appear to be the case. And then LSU, of course, will play Georgia uh, in the nightcap. And then we get into all the big games on Thursday. You know, of course, a lot of the, you know bigger teams get a double bye, including Missouri. Isn't that crazy? And you start looking at the uh, you know the top four in the conference. States played Alabama about as good as anybody, with the exception of Texas A&M and I guess uh, Tennessee. You beat Missouri, you split Missouri, you beat A&M, and then you, you go, you know, should have beat Kentucky. So it's like, hey, these are teams that are expected to make the tournament with ease, and State's right there with them, head-to-head. So we'll have the early game on Thursday, State against Florida. Tennessee plays the winner of Ole Miss, South Carolina. Arkansas and Auburn, of course, will be the first game. And in primetime, Vandy plays uh, the winner of LSU, Georgia. So, again, you're the only team in this league that has embarrassed Mississippi State Tennessee. And then the second time we played them, we were a much better team. I don't know that people want to play us. I mean, honestly. Honest to goodness. I, you know, Alabama is probably not scared of anybody. But uh, had we drawn anybody else in this bracket in the second round, you start thinking, you know what, State's got a good chance to get to the semis. And then how good would life feel? But you know what, hey, to beat the man, you got to beat the man. How about we just go beat Florida and take down number one Alabama and have to worry about anything, Right. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be some apples, right? All right, let's thank our friends at Portico. I love Portico. I've told you guys before. So I was moving to Starkville now. I'd move to Portico. There's no question about it. I trust the people that are involved with this residential development. That's a big thing. I don't do business with people I don't trust. I don't put advertisers in this show I don't trust. Because... You expect me to vet these things out. You, you put your trust in me by listening to me to give you the latest and greatest information in Mississippi State sports. Why would I introduce you to people that wouldn't do a good job for you? I just wouldn't do it. Brooks Bryan is my friend. Brooks Bryan is your friend. Brooks Bryan is a friend of Mississippi State. Brooks is part of a great group of developers bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Phase one is completely sold out. Phase two under development now. Many of those homes are already sold, but there are some available. If maybe you don't find exactly what suits your fancy, you can uh, get a custom build. You can pick out a lot, pick out a housing plan, and say, hey, guys, this is what I want. And Carrie and the guys will take care of it for you. Reach out to Brooks at 601-416-8075. He'll give you all the information you need. It's very easy to find. Turn off 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go through the four-way stop. There's Portico on your right. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus and all things Bulldog. What could be better? Make Portico your 
next move. Okay, Mississippi State back in baseball action Tuesday nights. One thing about baseball I love is uh, we get a chance to kind of you know change our mood and our attitude rather quickly. Yeah, I just get home from Frisco today, and uh, hey, we're playing baseball tomorrow night. Bulldogs are going to play Valparaiso. Now, Valpo holds a special part, place in our heart, because of Bryce Drew. And you know why? For, forever and ever and ever, to play Pacer, the Bryce Drew hit the three to beat Ole Miss, one of their better basketball teams in their in school history. That's going to be in the March Madness video montage for the rest of our lives. And thank you, Bryce. Thank, if I've never said it before, thank you, Bryce, for that. But uh, Valpo, hey, these guys are playing some pretty decent baseball right now. It's not a typical midweek game where you just say, hey, you know, we're just going to show up, go through the motions, and beat these guys. I don't know if that's really the case. They, uh, they take one of three from Kansas. They win the Saturday game. Again, these are, of course, it's weekend pitching, right? Their midweek pitching may be completely different than what we see ordinarily. But uh, three-game series against Kansas in Corpus Christi, Texas, of all places. And the Jayhawks take two of three. They don't play a midweek game. The next weekend, they head to UT Martin, and they sweep all three games from the Skyhawks. They don't play a midweek game again. They go play a three-game series against Arkansas Little Rock. They take two of three. So they are 6-3 and three overall and have not played a midweek game. So I'm not sure who they're going to pitch. You know, they've had the full complement of their pitching staff, of course, on these weekends because people hadn't thrown midweek and need some arm care and things of that nature. But this is, hey, this is a 6-3 and three team that has not played a home game yet. Every game they've played has been on the road. Now, it's going to be a much different deal. Of course, it's a Tuesday game. So if you're around, we encourage you to come out and be a part of this. The game will be available on the SEC Network Plus, but I'm going to ask you to forego that and come be a part of this. I know it's Tuesday night, but come on, come be a part of it. After they play us, they head to Southern Miss for a three-game weekend set and then go to Omaha and work their way back up north. They're at Omaha and then at Notre Dame in a midweek game, then at Indiana State, and then finally, on March 28th, they play a home game. And that's, hey, that's cold-weather baseball, right? Those guys got to come south. And even another team like Kansas got to come south and meet them. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're going to blow these guys out. We should. I mean, you think from a recruiting standpoint, we should. But the reality of it is you can't take anything for granted. They have four hitters right now that are hitting above 300. Uh, Kyle Schmack and Jake Skrine both hitting 308. Ryan Maka hitting 351. Nolan Tucker leads the team with a 412 batting average. Leads them in most offensive statistical categories. Uh, but Kyle Schmack is a guy, too, really nice slugging percentage of 718. He's got four doubles, four home runs, 12 RBI. Where's number 27 for them? Probably a guy you got to be careful with. Do we start Bradley Lofton? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. P- probably. Uh, they're a team that doesn't run the bases a lot, but they're very effective when they do. They're 11 of 12. And it's Kyle Schmack, again, 5 of 6, leading the team here. Uh, Caleb Hanna is also full for four, but uh, and that's the bulk of their stolen bases. But uh, they've got four guys that have registered uh, successful stolen base attempts. Yeah, so we'll see. But they, again, it's a team. Seventeen home runs. Let that sink in for a second. Seventeen home runs in nine games. So averaging almost two dingers a game. So we got to keep the ball down. You elevate to these guys, they're going to make you pay for it. Pretty impressive numbers. 14 doubles, no triples, but 65 RBI on the year. 
This is a team, too, that, you know, they don't strike out an awful lot either. This is a team that's going to put the ball in play, and that's that's been an issue for us at times. We pitch to contact, and next thing you know, you know, we're not always fielding the ball successfully. We're a team that has struggled defensively, especially on the left side, even though Lane's been better as of late. But 63 Ks and 316 at-bats, and so that, I guess the ratio is probably a little more respectable. But, uh, you know, this is a team also that's walked 53 times. You talk about strikeout-to-walk ratio, I mean, goodness, they've walked almost as many times as they've struck out. You add in seven hit-by-pitches, guys, it is a three-strikeout differential. That's it. It's plus three on the strikeouts. So they have had 60 free passes to 63 strikeouts. That's an interesting number, to say the least. Hitting 301 as a team. Now, pitching, again, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they have thrown the same three starters in all weekend series. So you, you've got to figure they're going to save those guys for Southern Miss. Probably a Johnny Holstaff type game. They've only had a handful of guys that have actually pitched in an actual ball game this year. That's what's interesting. You know, how deep do they get against us? But uh, Connor Lockwood, uh, Griffin McCloskey, great baseball name there, and Ryan Mintz have all started three consecutive weeks. Now, Ryan Mintz has had the roughest of it. <laughs> ERA of 14.29. We won't see him, just 5.2 innings pitch. He's allowed 10 hits. That's two hits per inning. And allowed nine earned runs. Seven walks, just three strikeouts. And that's been really the issue here. It's not quite a three-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio for this pitching staff. 83 Ks against 37 walks. Uh, but they've got some guys, too, that, you know, against some swing and miss, obviously. Uh, Bobby Nowak is a guy that uh, has had three appearances for them. He's, he's got one win in relief, and he saved the ball game. Just four and a third innings pitch, but 11 Ks. I mean, the guys recorded 17 outs, 11 of them by way of strikeout. Three walks. Uh, Nathan Chasey is a guy that we may see, right? Three appearances for him. He also has a save, 1.80 ERA, 12 punches to just six six walks. Uh, Christian Hack is a guy that three appearances as well, uh, 3.60 ERA, four Ks to five walks. Might not be a good thing. Might not be a bad thing to see him. He's allowing a hit and a walk per inning. Also, uh, 273 among the regulars is uh, opponent's batting average against. Uh, Jacob Rosencrans, I love the name. He is one and one on the year with a 12.86 ERA. All of his appearances have come in relief. Seven punches to just two walks, but uh, has allowed 10 earned runs. This is a guy, too, that uh, 378 batting average against. Where's number 12? Hope, hope we get a chance to see him. And I've got some guys, obviously, a little bit down the depth chart that uh, has pitched some. Josh Spencer has pitched some for them. One appearance, Josh Cottrell with two, and Cole uh, Siverson with one. But uh, as t- teams are hitting 257 against them, uh, so that's something we'll have to watch for sure. Uh, but the reality of it is, is uh, this is a team that we should be able to out talent. But if we go out there with that attitude, it's going to end up being a tighter ball game than it should be. And at this point in our season, we can ill afford to overlook anybody. Just can't, can't afford to do it. We got to go out there and play Valparaiso. Like we're playing Vanderbilt, we got to go out there with that same level of intensity. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We've got to go out there and have good play discipline. We've got to make the routine play on defense. And we can't walk hitters. And this is a team that's proven that they're going to make you throw strikes. And so if we go out there against this team with this lousy, fair attitude that we'll just be around the plate and let them get themselves out, it's going to be a, a long night, Tuesday night. 
And I got plans after the ball game. I don't need it to be a long night, Tuesday night. I need us to go ahead and win this ball game, not for selfish reasons, but the last thing that I want to go do is have to go get on a message board or anything like that and have to deal with the, the fallout of us losing a ball game like this. But we have to respect the opponent. Anything can happen in college baseball. There are some people that tell you midweek games don't matter. I'm here to tell you they do, especially when you're a team at 7-5. and five. You can ill afford to lose a ball game like this. If we get deeper in the week, we'll preview, Valpar, we'll preview the series against Lipscomb. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. I think this Valpo team might actually be better than Lipscomb. And we're playing them in the midweek. And, you, and this is where you begin to say, hey, offensively as a team, we should be able to hammer midweek pitching especially from a G5 team like this. You know, Southern Miss, you know, eventually we got to them, right, and got a little separation. And uh, listen, they threw some dudes, man. Southern Miss threw some guys that have some bright futures ahead of them in their ball game against us on Tuesday. And, again, we finally got to them. You know, we got Jacob Storm out of the ball game. That's a guy that's a dude, too. We got through that and, uh, and won. But you start thinking about, you know, how bad that game was against UL Monroe. You know, we, we came back the next day and really fought hard. But, uh, you know, that Tuesday game against Yo Monroe, you think, okay, they're trotting the midweek pitcher out here. We ought to be able to, to dominate these guys. We didn't. So we can ill afford to just kind of show up on Tuesday. Of course, Wednesday we did. We, we hammered those guys 14-3, to and we beat Southern Miss 10-9. to You remember what an exciting game that was. But if the team that shows up that played uh, two Tuesdays ago, if that team shows up, we're in trouble. And shadows of that team showed up last Tuesday against Southern Miss because, you know, we walked and walked and walked and we committed some errors, you know, and uh, we our offense kind of bailed us out. So we got to lock in and be ready to play. Got to lock in and be ready to play. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got to make some things happen. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like, hey, we're going to blow these guys out. I hope we do. I hope we do. But I can't sit here and tell you with all honesty, after what we saw this weekend and the kind of the up-and-down nature of things, that you can guarantee anything. Now, here's what I will tell you. When you begin to think about how we've scheduled, actually pretty smart in hindsight. You know, ordinarily, everybody plays a couple of cupcakes, or three or four cupcakes the first couple of weeks. We didn't do that. Okay, VMI, yeah, it's a series we should have swept. You guys know that. We, we, we farted around and lost that game on Saturday that we're up 10-1, to 1, right? I mean, that should, that should never have happened. We should have swept VMI. We shouldn't have lost Louisiana Monroe, but we did, right? That's two losses right out of the gate. However, Arizona State, that is one of the blue bloods of college baseball. I know they haven't been as good as of, in recent years, but you know they're going to have some dudes. And so you play them – and then you had the Fresco and played three Power Five teams, and now you ease up a little bit here with Lipscomb. So we're, we're kind of getting the team that, in, in many respects, is kind of considered a cupcake the last weekend before we get an SEC play. But you start thinking here about what's in front of you. You should be able to beat Valparaiso. You should be able to win this series against Lipscomb. And of course, you never guarantee a sweep. We need a sweep, but you never guarantee it. You start thinking. Okay, what's a reasonable expectation? Go three and one. If you get four, you make up one of those inexplicable losses. Maybe you make up for that loss against VMI, right? You get you. Let's say you go four and zero this week. Not expecting that, but let's say you do. And then you get the midweeks next week against Nichols and, and Louisiana, and you find a way to win that series at Kentucky. All and then Arkansas State comes in. All of a sudden, the season looks completely different. So you've got a golden opportunity here to kind of get fat this week, really the next week and a half before you get into SEC play. And for those of you that had to make plans next weekend, 
We're going to be at MGM Park in Biloxi on Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's not just a one-game deal this time. We're going to go down there and play a couple of games against two different teams. We'll probably draw some good fans out of Louisiana. I, I love that we take the show on the road. Um, and so I hope that you folks in South Mississippi will come out and support that. I'm not sure if we're going to be there yet. Mike Nemeth will cover for us for sure. Uh, we may make a run down there. We'll see. We may go down there just, uh, you know, spend one night. Maybe we go down on Tuesday, cover the game, wake up, cover the game on Wednesday and drive back. Maybe we can talk the missus into that. But either way, whether I'm there or not, you need to be there. Jeanspage.com will be there. We'll be covering the game. And, of course, then we'll head over to Lexington. Uh, so, again, the two, two of the longest trips of the season are kind of already out of the way uh, pretty early in the deal. Of course, we've got trips to Alabama and then uh, trips to Auburn. Those are pretty easy deals. We go to Tennessee uh, in April. That, that'll be a lengthy trip. It's only six hours or so. And then down to Baton Rouge for five. So, the two longest trips of the year uh, will be knocked out within the first you know, month of the season. So, Excited to kind of get that done. I enjoyed doing road baseball. Hopefully, you guys come out and join us. But, uh, again, respect Valpo. I know you're thinking, oh, it's Valpo. They're only known for – no, guys, listen. We go through the motions, we're going to get beat. we got to go out there and throw strikes against a team that clearly has good plate discipline uh, and against a team that's willing to put the ball in play. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and you can uh, get a copy of all my sports books. That's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains. If you're looking for Bloomsville, Leander, you can find it through your local bookstore or through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, and Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. Many of you hit me up. Like I say, I'll be out somewhere and I'll have on a Stark Villains shirt. Hey, where can I get it? StarkVillains.com. Pretty easy to remember. And always come be a member of our great community at jeanspage.com. You know, of course, a busy time of year. Uh, March Madness is a bonus. You're right. It's so much fun. And, and state, and again, in the mix on the men's and the women's side, the fact that it's March 6th and we're still talking about the possibility of both teams making tournaments outstanding. And I believe baseball is about to go on a bit of a run here and then spring practice is here. So it's no better time to be a subscriber than now. Go to jeanspage.com. That's a good gift to give somebody too, right? It's a good gift. You know, it's, boy, it's about 10 bucks a month. Come be a part of that. You need to be. You need, to be up, you need to be the most knowledgeable Mississippi State fan in your circle. Many people think they are. They're not. You could, you could, you could reclaim that circle uh, by coming and dealing with our experts. And we have so many knowledgeable people uh, on our boards that uh, follow the Bulldogs very, very closely. Come be a part of that great community. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies. And people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.